Blog Talk Radio. You know I can be found. Sit home all alone. If you can't come around, at least please tell the phone. Don't be cruel. Baby, if I made a man, something I might have said, please don't forget my past, the future looks bright ahead, don't be cruel, to who heart is true, I don't want no other love, baby, it's just you I'm digging up. Stop thinking of me Don't make me feel this way Come on over here and love me You know what I want you to say Don't be cruel To who a heart is true Why should we be apart I really love you baby Cross my heart Let's walk up to the preacher and let us say I do Then you'll know you'll have me And I know that I'll have you Don't be cruel To who heart is true I don't want no other love Oh baby, it's just you I'm digging up I don't be cruel To who heart is true Don't be cruel Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Saturday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time, and wherever you adore, adjust your time. And if it's 8 o'clock my time, it's off the chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and I wanted to start tonight off with something light and the king was always my favorite favorite rock and roll artist i mean he he came into his own when i was a child and so i I decided that we would go with something light something fun and date myself so there we are i want to welcome you all to the show tonight we have a return guest who i always love talking to because she She's so smart, and she's she's so much fun to talk to, and where this girl's been in her life, you'll just have to wait and see. But I want to tell you that for those of you who have followed the show since its inception, we are in our second year. I know. Time has flown like the wind. It's it's amazing. And, and as I've said every night of this show, it's not my show, it's your show. It's It's all of you, the listener, all of you, my guests, that keep coming back. I got an, a text message just before we went on uh, from a gentleman that had been a Cullen Martin who'd been on before the Satanic Players Society, and he says, "Hey, when you got a when you got an open date," and I'm sending him a short story for him to to do on his Satanic Satan Players Society's web thing they do, and it's it's wonderful. I love it. That being said, I want to thank all of y'all because of y'all, this show reached. 127,256 listeners just on the show, just on this show, just with the archives and the live show and and going back and listening to the other shows, y'all have reached that pinnacle of this show. Now, when you add this show 
to all the podcasts I put this thing up on, podcast.com, Podcast Garden, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Reverb Nation. We're 200,000 listeners in over 200 countries. It's overwhelming some days for me. But I want to say thank you because y'all are what make this show successful. Now I I'm, I'm know that y'all are saying, okay, I want to come on the show. If you're an artist, if you're an author, if you have a passion, a cause, a politician, you just want to talk, contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com. I'll tell you how to get on the show. Now, if you want to sell your product and you want to be a sponsor for the show, you can do that too for $10 a month because I'm not going to get rich off of it. I don't want to get rich off of it. I just want to give you all an opportunity to be heard and to help you become successful. You can either send it to me in MP3 format or you can send it to me in written form and I'll read it, and I will play it for an entire month no matter how many shows I have. And if I have to reschedule a show, as most of you all know, my husband is very ill, the ad follows the show. So you you will get your money's worth. And if you want to continue the ad or do another one for the next month, I'll just send you a new invoice. You send me a new ad. It's that simple. So off the chain radio at yahoo.com. And with that being said, I want to welcome some new sponsors to the show and continue to welcome a sponsor that's been with me for a long time. And thank you, Australia, because of you all being the – Biggest listeners of this show, you made her books number one in your country, and I am grateful for that. Diane Moat, she has a series called the Sam Holden series, and the first book in the series was Dog Gone. The second book was Dog Fight. kind of goes like this. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect an animal, she'll be there, and she's not giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on one of her most dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world while she unknowingly circles his. And while they chase each other, is Sam going to put those she loves most in harm's way in order to break up this ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever leave. That is Dog Fight, the second in the Sam Holden series. You can find it on Amazon Kindle by author Diane Moat. She has been on the show as well as this next sponsor, Jay Traveler Pelton. She was just on the show a, a month or so ago, and she has a series called the Oberlin Trilogy, and the first in the series is The Infant Conspiracy. And it's about a family, the Oberlins, and they are a shadow family. And the parents, Noel and Violet, along with the children, uh, kind of close-knit because they all work in the same family firm. And the children are supposed to take over the firm so the parents can retire once the, the, the brothers get through with their hitching Uncle Sam, but that kind of doesn't work out because things go south real fast when a savage virus is turned loose on an unsuspecting public. Join the Oberlins as they set out to make the world a safer place. That is the Infancy Conspiracy by J. Traveler Pelton, also on Amazon. Now, my guest will love this author because his name is John Isaac Jones, and he grew up north of Birmingham. 
long near Huntsville in Jackson County, Alabama, and he has a series of short stories on Kindle called The Alabama Stories. And this, these st- short stories are written through the perspective of a 12-year-old boy. I have read these stories. I know the areas he's talking about, and I'm going to tell you, these stories are fun, they're entertaining, they're enlightening, and they will keep you on the edge of your seat. John Isaac Jones, Alabama Stories, also on Kindle. And with that being said, I want to welcome back someone who's been on the show many times, and I hadn't pulled up her website lately, and when I pulled it up today, I went, oh, heavens to Betsy, I can't name all these books. I mean, the woman's a writing fool. Author Stephanie Osborne joins us again and gets me up to date on what she's been doing, even with all the personal stuff that's been going on. And if you can claim the kind of background that Stephanie has, I mean, she's not only the interstellar woman of mystery, she is a veteran of more than 20 years in the civilian space program, as well as various military space defense programs. She worked on numerous space shuttle flights in the International Space Station and counts the training of astronauts on her resume. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, she's a rocket scientist. Her space experience also includes space lab and ISS operations, variable star astrophysics, Martian aeolian geophysics, I hope I pronounced it right, radiation physics and nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons effects. The woman's a genius and I love her. She holds graduate and undergraduate degrees in four sciences, astronomy, physics, chemistry, and mathematics, and she is fluent in several more, including geology and anatomy. In addition, Stephanie possesses a license of ministry, has been a duly sworn certified police officer, and is a National Weather Service certified storm spotter. And when we have hurricanes and storms coming up, I can always count on her to keep me updated, and I so much appreciate that. Her travels had taken her to the top of Pikes Peak, across the world's highest suspension bridge, down gold mines in the footsteps of dinosaurs through groves of giant sequoias, and even to the volcanoes of the Cascade Range in the Pacific Northwest, where she was present for several phariagate eruptions of Mount St. Helens. For those of y'all that have been around a while, you know what happened when St. Helens blew her top. She's now retired from space work, and she has trained her sights on writing. She has authored, co-authored, or contributed to almost 30 books, probably, and more now, including the celebrated science fiction mystery Burnout, The Mystery of Space Shuttle STS-281. She is the co-author of the Crisperian Saga book series and currently writes the critically acclaimed Displaced Detective series described as Sherlock Holmes meets the X-Files and its pulp best-selling prequel series, Gentleman Aegeus. I think that's right. She released the paranormal horror novella, El Vengador, based on a true story, in 2013 as an e-book. And her mystery continues, my lord woman, and you've been even busier. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Yvonne. It's good to be back. It is. It's been way too long. You've been busy. I've been busy. We both had family members in the hospital, and hopefully now we're on an even keel, and you can come back even more because we're not ever going to get caught up with tonight's show. <laughs> well, yeah, we've we've both been busy, all right. So yeah, there's there's a lot of ground to cover, I guess. You, yeah, you, you're, 
your introduction, um, your the the bio that you were using for your introduction there doesn't even cover my latest series. I know. I went on your website. I went, oh my flipping word, because I got your press release. Now listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. I got this in my email. Okay. Now available book seven in the Division One series, definition and alignment. Now. She's been on the show, and we've talked about the Division One series, and it's it's a very interesting series. When another enhanced human, Mark Wright, unexpectedly shows up at the agency, Alpha One discovers they still aren't done with slugs, machinations, and levels of planning. Wright is there for Omega, and the next generation of assassins will be genetically programmed to kill Echo. Thus begins a bizarre in- inverted manhunt, as the telepathically brainwashed Wright chases Alpha One across the planet using the pre-programmed mental link that Omega can't fully block to follow her anywhere Echo can take her. Oh, my word. Now, that one's out, right? That Yeah, it, it just came out in ebook this past week, and in about a week and a half it'll be released in print, yes. Please and tell me where you found time to write with with your mom and running back and forth to Tennessee and God love you. Do you sleep? <laughs> um, well, actually, at times, no, I didn't. Um, uh, yeah, uh, my my mom has had two strokes since the first of the year. Uh, Lord bless her. She is a scrapper. She is a fighter. She is back home. She is walking with a walker. Uh, she is starting to be able to walk without even a cane. Wow. Um, starting to be able to write again. Um, and she, for the most part, she can converse with me, and you can't even tell that she that anything had happened. If she if she gets tired, she still has a tendency to, to lose, you know, her, her words. She'll sit there and go, okay, what's the thing I'm trying to think of here, you know. But well, when knows. you talk to your mom again, tell her yeah. that, that your friend and radio host and fellow writer has the same problem and I haven't ever had a stroke. But when <laughs> I get tired, it gets stuck in the back of the cortex and it doesn't come up to the frontal lobe and I'm standing there trying to do sign language and draw air pictures. <laughs> and people that know me go, okay, translation is this, Yvonne, is this what you mean? <laughs> Yeah, well, I've had that happen too, and I haven't had any strokes either, so I, I totally get it. Um, but and yeah, I laugh I, about it because it's just who I am. It just it's it, and even sometimes on the show, you've been on the show when I couldn't get my words out, or I've tripped over them, or my tongue got tied and I couldn't speak properly. <laughs> well, I've I've it, I've been on on interviews and stuff when when uh, you know it's kind of like the ver- verbal center just kind of. Decides to do a blue screen of death, and I'm sitting there going, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> well, you know, I thought I thought for a time it was because I'd had children, and when you have children for so many years, when the children are babies, you spend your life going da 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 because you're communicating with the children. But I, I don't think it has to do with the children. I think it has to do with the brain says, "Okay, bitch, I'm tired of you. Watch what I'm going to do." <laughs> Well, considering that I don't have kids, I had some medical difficulties, and that that was was not in the cards for me. 
Um, That 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 can't be a factor in my situation. (laughs) Can't use that for. But you've got a husband, so we'll use him for your excuse. No, he's he's one of the things that uh, that attracted me to him to begin with was that he could keep up with me. So well, uh, hey, that's amazing. He's he's right up, you know. He's he's right there beside me. So, you know, I hate I hate to say it as as he's right up there with me because that makes me sound like I'm, you know, somebody up on a pedestal someplace, and I I don't think of myself in those terms, but. Um, no, but I, I get I what do, you're saying. He I, has your energy. He does. Actually, at this point, he's got more energy than I've got anymore. Because as <laughs> I've gotten older, my my health has kind of gone in a different direction. So, um, well, you got to stay healthy because you got many more. I mean, I didn't even know you wrote poetry. Oh yeah, I've 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 the ver- the very first thing I can ever remember writing in a creative vein was a poem. Uh, and I was maybe like first or second grade, and it rhymed and everything. So I mean, you know, my 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 parents were like, "Child, what are you doing?" And I'm like, "I wrote a poem, Mama." You know, so they were showing you all the grandparents, uncles, you know. So it, I, I was kind of embarrassed. So <laughs> why? Um, because they were making a big deal out of it to everybody, and I was, I mean, I, I understand why and and everything, but I, it, it embarrassed me to be made a big deal out of. You are a big deal. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the most humblest human beings. Now, I, I'm, I'm kind of biased because she's a southern sister. I mean, she's from... She's from the south. She's she's from Alabama, Tennessee. I'm from Georgia, it, so we get it. But she is so humble, and w- one of the smartest women I've ever had the pleasure of calling friend. I'm I'm in awe of her genius. And let's see, see. This is what I'm talking about. I'm I'm tar- I'm sitting here. I'm on the phone. I'm turning red in the face. Don't turn red. Say face. thank you, Yvonne. <laughs> but thank I you. am. I've been meaning. I've been meaning to tell you that for the longest because I just so appreciate your intellect, your intelligence, your brain to be able to to have learned what you have learned and to have put it to use to me is is amazing. You know and what I, it is? I just, it, it's sheer, or what? sheer cuss is stubbornness. Yeah, um, I remember because we talked about this. They told you you couldn't, so you said, "Watch this." Uh huh. Pretty much. It's like hold. Well, of course, I was too young to say "hold my beer" at that point in time. But yeah, <laughs> it was basically "hold my beer and watch this" kind of a thing. So now, 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 ladies and gentlemen, for the, for those of you all who are out of the country or are not from the South and don't understand that slang. It, it's oh. a southern slang when somebody's wanting to do something and somebody else says, nobody, you can't do that, and, you, and you're sitting around drinking beer and you've had just enough beer to here, hold my beer. <laughs> watch this. Yeah, uh, watch, watch me prove you wrong kind of a thing. So, now, now a you, lot of times the way, the way it actually goes in real life, whenever you hear hold my beer and watch this, you want to take about, you know, fifty steps away from the person because it's not going to end well as a general rule. But, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 
not uncommon, but um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was I was too little to to too young to be able to have beer, and you know, I was too young to actually be playing with much that would go kaboom. Although by the time I made it to my to my chemistry classes, that had changed a little bit, but. <laughs> but you have to you have to you have to realize you get it honest because after and I followed you you know that and after what your mom has been through with her two strokes and to be where she is at her age and to be able to walk without a walker without a cane to carry on an inte- not only to carry on a conversation but an intelligent intellectual conversation and to start writing again. Honey, you it, it's genetic. You couldn't any more help go and hold my beer than you could help flying backwards. <laughs> well, yeah, it it kind of is and my dad, you know, he was um he was one of the early computer programmers. He he was a computer salesman and programmer back in the days when, you know, <laughs> back in the days when computers were the, the big mainframes were big and room-sized. And mm-hmm. and your phone today can do more than a lot of those could do, you know that kind of thing. Um, so he he was he was a pioneer in his own way, and he taught me. You know, the the teachers hadn't even started covering what decimal notation meant, and I was already con, con, there. We go with the words. <laughs> I was already counting in binary octal. And hexadecimal. So you know, and and he he had sat down and explained those to me and showed me how those work, and so I could count in in those those other other formats. And the other kids were going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I'm counting. You know, it, it was. Uh, I I had parents that encouraged me, and basically. They raised me that if there is something that you want to try to do, try to do it. We won't stand in your way. We'll help all we can. Um, you may not, and and they gave me the, the the practical mindset to understand that just because I wanted to try it didn't necessarily mean I was going to be able to do it or to be to succeed at it. But I needed to at least try so I would know if I could. And in trying, you didn't fail, but if you had not tried, it would have been a failure because you would have questioned yourself until your dying day. Well, could I have done this if I had at least tried it? Bingo, bingo, exactly. <clears throat> so now, and in the out. meantime, you you just blew them all out of the water and said, "I'm going to be a rocket scientist." Pretty much, yeah. Because um, that was that was back in the day. I'm, I, it's really funny because people take me for, um, you know, ten, fifteen. Occasionally, they take me as much as twenty years younger than I really am. Um, as I get older and the looks are, you know, the the body is is starting to deteriorate a bit. The looks are starting to fail me a bit. But um, I'm I'm older, considerably older than I look. Uh, it's uh-huh. rare the person that can guess my true age by looking at me. Um, but that was, I was, I grew up, you know, and, and I grew up in rural Tennessee, too, so it, we're talking that it was, in some respect, 
the expectations were, I, I, what's the word I'm looking for, Yvonne? Um, the expectations were you, you went to high school, you might do a little bit of community college, you got married, you had kids, and you stayed at home. Yeah, pretty much. And and when I was a kid, it was like the little girls wore the cute little frilly dresses, and the boys wore, they called them dungarees. Uh-huh. Um, and I wore pants to school. That was partly mandated by my doctors because, I, you know, I had medical problems even back then. I had certain medical conditions. And so the doctors, I, I, it turns out I've got two bad knees. They didn't know what was wrong back then. Um, I've got congenitally malformed knees. Um, they, but I was having problems with the joints, and so they wanted me to keep them warm. Well, I'm sorry, a cute little frilly dress that doesn't even cover my knees is not ain't going to. It ain't going to do it. So they nope, said, won't cut it. So you know, I, and and that's kind of that. That is how I grew up. I grew up an iconoclast, not always by choice, sometimes by necessity, uh, sometimes by doctor's orders. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it it was just one of those things to where, okay, fine, this is who I am, this is what I am, this is what I'm interested in, this is what I'm going to try and do. And, and so... Pretty much, I went and did it. And, you know, the the thing that, that got me interested in the space program, <clears throat> there were two things. One was this TV series called Star Trek, which I discovered. Uh-huh. And and the other was, along about the same time, there was the, the our, we had our first true space disaster, the Apollo 1 fire. Yep. And so this hit the news you know, all over the place, and I'd been kind of keeping up with with a little bit of it. I knew enough to know that there were guys that were going to try and go to the moon, and then this hit, and this really garnered my attention. And I looked from the news reports to the fictional TV show, and I said, this is where we are with guys that think this is important enough to be willing to die for it. And I looked at the TV show, and I said, this is where we might be going one day. And I decided then and there I wanted to try to help get from one to the other. And I did. I mean, I, we're, we're, we're not to the other yet, but I, I, I worked in the space program for a couple of decades. And so, you know, how many people are there out there who can say that they, they took a childhood dream and fulfilled it. So in not that, many. I consider myself not only fortunate but blessed. And and I know we we, we come we always come back to this when I bring you on the show, and I think it's important that we do for a couple of reasons. One is that when someone because you know at the end of my show I always say if you want to achieve greatness, don't ask permission because nobody's going to give it to you. You didn't ask permission. There were people saying, you can't do this, and you said, here, hold my beer and watch me. And you did it. And and it's important that people understand that it doesn't matter, A, how old you are, B, your education, 
see how how dumb you think you are, and there are a lot of people out there that, that think they're dumber than a bag of rocks, and some of them might be, but 99% of them are not, that if you have a dream and you really you you can see beyond the dream. You can see, like you said, where we are now versus where we might be in the next millennium. You can get there. You just got to have somebody hold your beer. Yeah, yeah. And 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 see when I was when I was in school, you know, they they gave me all these aptitude tests and everything that came back and said, "Hey, she's good at science." So this was a day and age when if a girl was good in science, you recommended that she study and become a nurse. Oh. So that's actually what I got recommended. That's that's what was recommended. (laughs) You would not make a good nurse. (laughs) Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, no way. I would pity my patients, let me tell you. Um, you'd have them on the next space shuttle to the moon. (laughs) I do not have the patience for that. No, um, and you know it, it isn't for lack of trying, and it isn't because I don't care. Um, I actually um, sometimes I care a little bit too much. I, I'm a very empathetic person, and if somebody is in pain, I will cringe and hurt with them. Uh huh. Because you're an empath. Well. I wouldn't go so far as to say that I am. I suppose I could be. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how you even test for something like that. Um, but yeah, that 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 that's going in the general direction at least. Um, uh-huh. So so yeah, no, I don't. And my my uncle, my my mother's brother, he did. He became a doctor. He he became. Um, I think he he was an internist. I'm not sure. Um, but he was going to uh, to college and med school through all of this, and so you know, I I he was young enough. He was the youngest of all of my uncles, and so I I could talk to him, and especially because he w- he was interested in science also, uh-huh. and. So he would tell me, well, we did this and we did this, and today we we vivisected a dog or we we dissected a, a dead whatever, you know. Um, and I I kind of did okay until the the dog vivisection, and then I thought <laughs> I, I could never get through that. I, I I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I couldn't do it. Um, and that's when I started thinking in terms of. Oh my gracious! You know that, that basically what they did was they did surgery on the dog, uh-huh. and then put 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 the dog euthanized the dog at the end. And exactly. I thought this this is surgery. Oh no, that's cutting some. Oh no, I can't <laughs> do that. No, you know. And that's when I started seriously thinking in terms of of that of of what it meant. And that's also long about the time when when I was seeing the other stuff go down and everything too, um, and I just was kind of like, well, you know, maybe I need to go over into this other related field over here, this this other form of science. And so I did. So hold 
hold that thought. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, who I absolutely adore, my fellow Southern sister author, Stephanie Osborne, and we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back, because this woman's a writing fool, and, and we're going to blend all of her past experiences into her book. So hang on, and we'll be right back. Horses See Ghosts, a new poetry book by Gannat Wise. It's been called Poetry for the Rest of Us. Amazon. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe, available at Amazon.com. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> You're so silly. You're silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. And we are back with Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest and wonderful, wonderful Southern sister, author Stephanie Osborne. And we've been talking about her background and how she came to be a rocket scientist, and she's not one to dissect dogs and cut open things that are later going to die. So she went in a different direction, and I'm so glad she did because, Stephanie, would it be safe to say because of all of your knowledge, which became wisdom, that you put into play as a rocket scientist working with NASA and all the degrees you had, you were able to to write books in such a way that just absolutely blows people's mind. The, the Division One series, Alpha and Omega, A Small, Medium, at Large, A Very Unconventional Christmas, Tour de Force, Trojan Horse, and Texas Rangers, you might not have been able to have given those books as much depth without what you know. Would that be fair to say? That, that I think that would be very fair to say because I'm not only using uh, now. Now this particular series, 
Um, most of what I write tends to be hard science fiction. This is a little bit of what I would term softer science fiction. Uh, it's not quite space opera kind of thing, but it's it's less serious in some respects. Um, that said, um, even even when I'm throwing something out there that looks like it's it's this series is my take on the urban legend of those guys in the, the dark suits that show up at the UFO encounters in the alien abductions and make the evidence go away. The mm, men in black. Mm. It's, it's my take on it. It goes in a kind of a bit different direction from the comics or the movies or whatever, you know. Um, and yet at the same time, because they're all based on the same urban legend, there are certain similarities uh, that you're, you, you can't get away from because it is based on an urban legend. Um, but yeah, everything, even when I'm throwing out, you know, the, the, the such and such death ray, um, it, I have sat down while I was planning things out and I have figured out, okay, this weapon, this death ray works like this. And I've worked out the science behind it. I mean, not to the point of, you know, it necessarily actually would work, but it, is it at least plausible? So yeah, and and it's not just the science or the engineering um, that has come into play, but because I had an entire career before I started becoming a professional writer, uh, you know, I wrote all through school. I've never not written, but now I'm a professional writer. Um, I also had literal decades of experience in people watching. And just yep. sitting down and watching, you know, how people react to certain situations and and different personality types and stuff like that. And I don't I am not a student of people. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not you know, I'm not necessarily all of that good at analyzing people, at least in real time. If I go back and I think about the interaction later it's like Oh, crud, I should have said that instead of this, you know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, water under the bridge. Oh, well. Um, but at the same time, I'm taking all of that stuff that I've learned over the years in the way of personalities, and I and I factor those into the characters that I write, and I listen to how people really talk, and I I, I think about regional dialects and colloquialisms and stuff. And some people say you shouldn't write dialects. I disagree. I think that can be a very fast, fundamental way, uh, a shortcut towards characterization. Absolutely. You should, uh, you should write dialect and regional cultures and dialect because it brings the reader into the story and makes them a part of the story, especially let's take um, someone who writes books from the South. That is as much part of the book as is their genetic makeup. Oh, yeah. And, and, and the, different, the different regional dialects, you know, one of, one of my displaced detective books is set in New Orleans. So I've yep. got characters that have standard southern dialects, and I've got one character. I mean, it's it's a it's a teenage boy, and he is about as 
Cajun. I mean, he is like thoroughly, thoroughly Cajun. And so I wrote it in a Cajun dialect. And my publisher came back and said, can you footnote his comments? Because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's, it's a kind of a bastardization of French and, and yeah. English and a couple other different things thrown in there for good measure. So, yeah, and it's, and it's like if I had written it in straight French, she would have had me footnote it for those that didn't know French. And so this was Cajun. This was straight Cajun. So she had me footnote it. <laughs> so, uh, she probably didn't understand it either. She <laughs> didn't. She speaks French. So, <laughs> and and that's um, what makes that's what makes the characters come to life. Anybody can read a book in a straight um affect, just straight words. You exactly. can read that book. But when you give life to that character, part of that life is the regional dialect of where the story is set. And and part of it is having analyzed the character's personality enough to understand how he or she thinks. Yes. Because because this character, you, you drop, drop several people into the same exact situation. This person over here is going to react this way, this person over here is going to react that way, and this person right here is going to react a completely different way. Like watching a train wreck. When you've got ten yeah. witnesses, you get ten different testimonies. Bingo. Bingo, exactly. And that's because each of them has a different viewpoint. And so I have to know my characters well enough to understand what those viewpoints are going to be. And as, um, you're, you're, sitting, as you're sitting here saying this, I just had an epiphany. This, this is another reason I love this woman so much. Now I know, I understand why I am so bored with mainstream books because the authors do not give their characters life well they used to yeah, but as I've read more and more it's just words on paper well, well part of that there there are there are fads in editing and publishing yes there are you know, if if you go back and you read, say, Victorian literature, and then you read a modern book, you will see it. You that will that dichotomy at once becomes obvious yes. because um, they didn't. Well, if you go back and you read Doyle's original Sherlock Holmes stories, um, in the Victorian era, they used adverbs. Out the wazoo. I mean, they loved their adverbs. Um, they were not afraid to throw in um, other languages without footnotes to yes. translate. They expected the reader to speak those languages, um, and, and you know, and and they they put in dialect and stuff. We're in a mode right now to where there there is a a fashion. In, in modern editing and, and publication, we you don't want to use adverbs at all if you can get away with it um, when they're a perfectly good, acceptable part of the English language. Uh -huh. um, you don't want to use dialects. 
because parish forbid we might confuse the reader a little bit. No, it actually are, has are, a sense. Are, are it, not it being politically correct. Well, and that's part of it too, I think. But it actually helps the reader because that, that becomes an immediately identifiable character. You don't even need a yes. dialogue tag in a conversation because, you know, if this character has has a dialect and that character is speaking pretty much straight Midwestern English, you can, t- you can tell who's talking just by which one has the dialect. Um, yes. There's, I mean, and there's other things, too. It's like, it, it, but, but right now we're in this mode in, in the industry to where these things, this is, this is the way these things are considered acceptable. Um, and you know what, Stephanie? I think we have lost the art of reading because of it. And there is an art to reading. We've got, our minds have gotten lazy because we can just race across the page with the words on the page and not literally be part of the story and pay attention to what we are reading and absorb it and, and let it envelop us and enjoy it. Well, yeah, and it's funny that you should say that because I was talking to a guy just a couple of days ago, and it turned out, um, that he was, uh, I, it was, it was a fan that I had just met online, and he is an extremely rapid reader. <clears throat> and as soon as he bought, he, and he's a fan, so he has all my books. As soon as he bought this latest book, he sat down and he said, "I did a really fast read through in order to tell if I was going to like it." And then when I realized, yeah, this is a keeper, I went back to the beginning and I started over and I read it slower to enjoy it. So wow, yeah, I I think that's I think you just nailed it because what he was doing was zip through it to see if he was going to like it. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm going to like it. Now let's go back and enjoy it and, and savor it a little more. Savor it and envelop yourself. It. A good book to me is like a fine wine. You don't want to gulp it down because it'll be gone. You want to sit there and you want to sip it and let it roll around on your taste buds and sit there on the back of your throat and follow it as it goes down your throat and into the inner workings of your intestines and enjoy the sensation. And that's the way a good book should be. You want to turn that page slowly because you don't want to finish that book. Now, see, my my analogy would have been to a good single malt scotch, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) You and my husband, (laughs) Johnny Walker. (laughs) A good Johnny Walker, blue, yellow, green, or gold. But but that is true. And and we we have become such a society of of, um, instant self-gratification that we can't even enjoy a good book. We can't sit and enjoy a good movie that we don't want it to end because it just brings out all of the emotions and sensations that we have. And when it's over, we are literally physically, emotionally, and mentally drained because we got so involved in it. Yes. I think there's more to it than that. I think we have... 
I think we have some problems with our society as a whole because, um, you know, I'm I, for a while there, while I was getting getting the the writing career off the ground, I also did some tutoring in my spare time. I did, you know, basically STEM, and because I was a writer, I also did a, a fair amount of English. Um, and so, and, and I was going elementary school through college level. The, these were my students. The, you know, all the different the different age groups. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I was shocked at was the discovery of just how illiterate is go is the word is is going too far, but we're definitely trending in that direction. Mm-hmm. I had kids that couldn't do basic arithmetic. I had kids that couldn't couldn't read. Like uh, I had a lot of kids that could not read for comprehension, um, which which really made things complicated when you're working on on say word problems in mathematics. Yeah. Because if if you can't read if if you can't read for comprehension, and you can't do basic arithmetic, there's no way you're going to be able to solve a word problem. No. So so I was encountering a lot of that uh, when I was when I was tutoring. Um, so it was it was I found it very distressing. Um, I had I was at one convention um, with some of my books relatively early on. Um, I was one of my books had been optioned for a feature film. Unfortunately, it later got caught up in pre-production hell and kind of died to death. Um, <laughs> at, at least that project did. So I, I have hopes that one day it will show up. It'll come but around. I, I I was on a panel to discuss, uh, you know, books versus film. And, you know, that that's actually kind of a legitimate discussion because they're two very different media. And you can cram a whole lot more in books than you uh-huh. can in film, but there are things you can do in film that take a couple of seconds and the audience gets it that you couldn't describe in pages upon pages in a book because right. it's so visual, you know. Um, so I, I, I thought it was a very interesting panel and I enjoyed it, but there was one guy, teenage boy, front row, and not only was very uh was he very adamant about the fact that he did not read, not that he could not, that he did not, he chose not to read. Um he preferred the films. Uh he 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 would not he would not read. Um so this kid after the panel, I go back, I had a um I had a, a dealer's table for my for my books. I was selling my books there, and so he shows up uh, within five or ten minutes of the end of the panel at my book table, and he kind of looks over the books I've got on the table, and he's got kind of a sneer on his face, and he turns his nose up at him, but he remembers that oh she's got she's got one of these books has been optioned for a feature film. Uh huh. So he picks up one of my business cards, and and the, I had there were several authors that I knew sitting with tables 
either adjoining mine or like this was like author row kind of thing in the dealer's room. And so they're watching this go down. And he picks up one of my business cards and he flips it around to the blank side and he hands it to me. He said, would you autograph this, please? (laughs) And I blinked. And I said, I'm sorry, I only autograph my actual books. And that finally got through to him because he walked away looking like somebody had smacked him upside the head with a two-by-four. And as soon as he got out of earshot, all the other authors around me were like, yes, go, way to go, Steph, perfect answer. (laughs) Because, Because he cared nothing for reading. If he couldn't sit down and stuff his face with a soda and popcorn while, you know, staring glassy-eyed at a big screen, he wasn't interested in it. It wasn't a story to him. And And that's a shame. Yeah. But this this is, unfortunately, what we're turning out these days. Part of it is because, I think, because, you know, we we've, they have to test before they can graduate. Right. We're teaching to test rather than teaching to learn. We're not I've been teaching about that for years. We're not teaching to think. We're teaching to pass a test. Uh-huh. And that's that's not good. Um, and it's, and the, it's, the, it's the, good the, that the, we can prove that they learned all this stuff. The saying that really on the Game of Thrones, the, the girl where she goes, you know nothing, Jon Snow? Mm-hmm. They know nothing. I'm sitting here looking at all the books here in my studio, and I'm thinking, I have read, researched, I've touched every book on these shelves at least ten times, and I mm-hmm. can tell you about every book on this shelf. And I've got yeah. two bookcases overflowing with books. That's just part of my books. Yeah, I hear you. And you know, I've I've got people. People are shocked. You know, my my displaced detective series is a Sherlock Holmes pastiche, right? And people people are shocked that I can come up with the level of trivia in in the original stories that I do. Um, I was actually in a trivia contest back when I was in undergraduate school, and one of the winning questions was based on Sherlock Holmes, but it was made to sound as if it had to do with the with the uh, modern Afghan war. And so even the the uh, the guy who was reading the the he's not he would be the game show host if he if it was a TV show. Um, right. Even the guy reading the questions when I when I buzzed in with the answer you know, he did a double take, and he had to do. He had to check the answer on the back of the card like two or three times, and then he to looked around. Sure at the room. Yeah, he looked around at the room, and he said, "She's right." And and it was it was who he give this long diatribe about the modern Afghan conflict, and then it cut to and who said you have been in Afghanistan? I perceived, and I immediately hit the button without even thinking about it. Said Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. That's how I greeted Watson in the very first story. Do you know that our hour is almost up? 
Oh, holy cow. Okay. Will you come back in will you come back in January? Sure. I should have another book out by then. I, I should have a couple more books out by then. See, ladies and gentlemen, I just love this girl. She's just phenomenal. We didn't even get to all of her books tonight. But she does have um the Displaced Detectives. I have read some of those books. They're absolutely phenomenal. They're present day. They're you just have to read them. Then she's got Sherlock Holmes and the Mummy's Curse. I haven't read that one yet. I'm going to have to go get that one. Sherlock, Sheila's and the 7% Solution, the Burnout Series. Sherlock, Sheila's and the 7% Solution is a popular science book that spun off of doing the research for the for the displaced detective novels. I got to I got to get that book. The Crispian Saga, the Point Series, Poetry, which I have not gotten yet. Anthologies at the Wazoo, science books, short stories, children's books. Her husband's also a graphic artist. Ladies and gentlemen, tell these nice folks where you can be found. Oh, you can find me at my website, www.stephanie-osborne.com. That's Osborne spelled O-S-B-O-R-N. You can also, I have an Amazon author page. You can find me there. You can find me on Facebook. Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter. I'm at Writer Steph. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Mayway. I'm on Google Plus. I spend most of my time on uh, Instagram and Facebook. And Go ladies check and out gentlemen, my book. Go yes. come say hi. You know, check her because she is phenomenal. Her books are just absolutely. Uh, if if you haven't read Stephanie Osborne, go read her because when you turn open that first page and you read the first sentence, you'll be hooked. Trust me, you'll be hooked. We didn't even talk about her poetry. When she comes back, I'm going to get her to read a poem or two. <laughs> will you do that for me? I will do that, yeah. I will do that. All right, so what we'll do, and and you know I love you and I thank you so so much for being on the show and you know how this goes I'm going to send you the links you get to spread around the joy and we're on Reverb Nation now so I'm going to put it up there too and we okay. got 3300 you got to follow me on there we got over 3000 people just on that little page we get more every day but ladies and gentlemen she's going to come back in January and we will learn many things from her and y'all all know at the end of every show I say two things People will forget your name, they will forget what you look like, they will forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you made them feel. And it is my prayer that every one of you understand that you're the most important person in the room. Without you, this show would not be where it is, and I am so grateful, so humbled, and so appreciative. Yeah, I know they're all the same thing, but I, I want to be triple sure that y'all understand what I'm talking about. Guest and and listeners alike without y'all we would not have a show and also just like Stephanie and I were talking about earlier if you want to achieve greatness stop asking permission if Stephanie had listened to the people that said you can't do this because a you're a girl I mean we lived in the 50s and the 60s you're a girl and b you just women just don't go into that field and she says watch my beer and hold my beer and watch this, and this is where she is. So you can make your dream happen. You can achieve greatness. 
And with that, I want to say thank you very much for another wonderful week. Next week we start off at 8 o'clock Wednesday night, Eastern Daylight Time. And, yes, I will bring this lovely woman back. I promise both of our our sick people are, are stable or and we can bring her back. So with that, I want to say thank you and good evening. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with the one and only lovely, lovely Southern sister, author Miss Stephanie Osborne. Thank you, my darling, for joining me. Thank you for having me, Yvonne. And we are off the air, but you know everything I say that goes up in archives. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know where the hour went. We just had a blast. Oh, I know. My gosh. It just, I, I would not have thought that it lasted that long. So. <laughs> so, so now you got to come back and, because we didn't even get to your books. We got to talking about everything else. That's okay, because if they found what I said interesting, they'll go check out my books. Absolutely. That's the whole point, because you were the brand, not your books. Right. So I will put this up in archives. I will send it to you, the link, and then tomorrow when I post it in all the podcasts, I'll send you those links, too, and you can go and blast them everywhere. And I'll send you a date to come on in January, too. Okay. Sounds good. And when you and when you talk to your mom, tell her that... that do you know somebody that has that issue, and she hadn't had any strokes, but she still has that issue? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All and right. she just laughed about it because it is what it is. <laughs> well, this is the truth. This is the truth. Now, I've got so I've d- got another book coming out in January. I've got one coming out in October. I've got another one. Co- it, it's a Division One novel, and I've got another Division One novel coming out in January. Uh, with ebook release on the 8th and print book release on the 22nd, but I'm going to be out of town at a convention the 18th, 19th, and 20th. That looks like Okay, being... so between the 8th and the 22nd is when we want to launch the books. Right, but I'm not available the 18th through the 20th. But okay, well, like... what I can do is I can get you in between the, the week of the 8th and the week of the, before the week of the 22nd. I'll get you in before the 18th. Okay, that'd be great. That'd be great. Okay, I'll so send that you the data. That's like my only restriction in terms of time there. Okay, I'll I'll send you the the date as soon as I get off the phone here. Okie dokie, sounds good. Thank you, my darling. I will be talking to you later. All right, you take care. Okay, honey. Bye bye. Bye bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.